Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi everybody and welcome along to All Net, the Irish Examiner Basketball Podcast. Uh, I'm Conor Meany as always and I'm joined by Kieran Shannon. Kieran, you're very welcome. It's Cup Finals week with the biggest week in uh, the Irish basketball calendar. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, like whatever about the league, where it is relative to the Cup as a weekend in itself, with all the finals being played on the same weekend, it is the date, it is the... and. We have, I, I think, I think we've touched on it before. I think they've got a great balance now. Having the semi-final is a great weekend. Two weeks ago in Cork, and now we're up in Dublin. Thirty years of us in the arena. Um, tasty finals in both. We'll obviously be zoning in on the two Super League finals. Uh, but there's loads of basketball. Yeah, even going, <laughs> you're probably at the bottom level of the of, of the schedule there on, on the bill, Connor. But you're part of the weekend again. How have prep been? Yeah, uh, it's nice to be involved. We, uh, our Division One team actually won the NICC the last time it was held in two thousand and twenty. I think it was. Yeah, twenty. I I was playing that year as well, and um, they had it separate to the rest of the National Cup. Uh, it was held on a, a weekend by itself, and uh, just deflated the whole thing. It wasn't mm. that exciting or anything else, and now suddenly. You're back in the full weekend, and it just it adds a bit of fun to the whole thing. People like people are excited about it. Playing in the arena as it's set up properly for the the finals and everything else is exactly what you want to do. It's very different than probably a lot of my other cup final experiences, but it's uh it's nice to still be able to be involved in that weekend, and I'll have the boys up to watch me and stuff, which they haven't really done been able to do. Like a lot of times when you're playing Dublin League, you play. Like we played last night at a quarter to nine last night, and uh, so it's just it's very different. So, uh, but it's exciting. It's, it's it's fun to be part of it. Well, we're we're joined today by two men who know all about the cup weekend, uh, know how to. They've been in loads of finals, and they've won their more than their share of them. We'll be joined later by Mark Scannell, uh, well known obviously for Glenmire, but. 
25 years ago I was involved with Nibshin in a, in a cup final and, and, and 10 years ago got them their last cup win. And we're joined by another veteran and thankfully still uh, active on the scene, Pat Price. Pat, you're very welcome to the Examiner Pod on NetPod. Hi, lads. Thanks for having me. Great podcast. It's good to hear, Pat, as you've some experience in it and yourself. And look, you've loads of experience in the cup. And I was just going through it, Pat. Um, you, you have been involved in, from what I can see, five Super League finals. Uh, winning three of them, and the first four were all one basket games. Uh, several of them went to overtime, the same as your semi-finals. So you, um, when what, what does the cup when you contextualize it? And the first of those was twenty-four years ago. Well, I I think a lot of it, if you're if you're if you're looking at it from a traditional club point of view, it, it, it it's it's obviously always been a highlight on the calendar. Um, I came in as an import, you know, similar to a player. So there, there was a mindset, a mindset adjustment that I had to make, or say the, the, the other imports had to make in terms of how do you, how do you, um, you know, how do you get your head around the fact that this game, which is in October might be more important than that following game in November. And then you got to pick it back up again, because that might be a cup quarterfinal. And then, you know, you get to a cup final, I think, you know, the X factor and all that is, is the fact that you, you're getting to the televised, the nationally televised stages, and, 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 and then you start to get a better appreciation for what does that mean for your club in terms of exposure or, or generating as much exposure for your, 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 your sponsors. And, and it, it, you know, the more you appreciate what it means to the club and the history of the club to get to the televised stages or to get to the point where you can either generate additional sponsorship, top up on your sponsorship, or get the, the proper branding and exposure for your existing sponsor. When you have an appreciation for that, that's great. And then you got to park and focus on the moment or the game. And, and, and I learned an awful lot of lessons over the last 25 years about, about the cup and how to manage that. And, and some of those lessons you learn the hard way. Well, what were some of the hard lessons learned? Well, I, I think, again, if I had takeaways, you know, from, from uh, you know, there, there's the cup final, but when because the cup is a knockout stage, you treat every game like a final, you know, and, and so I think probably you mentioned f five senior finals, but there's probably well over 30 cup games I've been involved with. And, and I think my takeaways and any advice I'd give to younger coaches um, going through the process and, and some of these guys are first time in, in, in the cup finals is, you know, you have to make adjustments and you have to be willing to make adjustments and, and the adjustments within a game, you know, they have to be non-emotive and, 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 and sometimes in a cup final, you can get caught in the emotion of, of the game and not be as uh, properly analytical as you should be. You know, you need to really park your ego and, 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 and yeah, need to be able to um, watch with a critical eye while everything else about around you seems chaotic because of the noise and, 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 and the experience in the moment, but you have to be able to make your in-game adjustments. And that includes, you know, when I say park your ego, I mean, it's, it's tied to also you've put a lot of time into your game plan and everybody's doing their scouting reports. Well, what do you do when your game plan gets turned on its head, either because of foul trouble or an injury, or you say, hey, look at something simply not working here. You know, what are your contingencies? Do you have those ready? And, and can you address that with a level head? And, and then within that, 
you know, is there the strong internal leadership within the team? And I think I would have been, you know, probably better dealing with that in my later years. than I was in my first couple of years where, you know, you know, you, you think it's a one man show and you realize, you, you know, you really got to lean on, on the players and their experience and their leadership. And, and, you know, um, and I, I think, the experience of going through cup finals. And, and, and I don't know, I heard years ago, somebody say, Oh, well, you know, you have to lose a cup in order to win a cup. You know, there's still a best, a basketball game to be played. Go back to ego, because certainly from a player's perspective, for Irish players in particular, when you're in the cup final for the first time, you're in this whole mode of people are going to see me play at the top level that don't always see me play. And uh, I remember when I was younger that you're like, Oh, the guy in work might think that I'm good if I play well or whatever else. And then you're kind of like, actually they have no idea what is even going on and they have no concept of it. When when you're game planning. So like for someone like Charlie Crowley, he's obviously a young coach going into his first cup final. Is there a danger of trying to overcomplicate things to show that you're a good coach when you're like get away from what has gotten you to that point and just kind of like, well, maybe if I try something out a little a little different than we usually do, people will be like, oh, that was really smart by by him. And not just Charlie, but for any of the coaches uh, over the weekend. Sure, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit like the guy who tries to get a new haircut the week before he gets married. Do you know what I mean? You, you never want to do anything big, you know, anything different before you do anything big. And just in case you might get it wrong. I, I look at, I think within your own game plan, I'm sure that both Darren McGovern and Charlie Crowley have their own, um, you know, uh, scouting and, and that they've been working on the scout throughout the past week or two to, to just to prepare. And, 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 you know, there might be tweaks or adjustments. And, and, and again, the teams have faced each other, you know, as well as what would you do differently? I remember, you know, uh, talking to guys even like when Jay Laranaga used to talk about in the playoffs when you play a series, you know, when you're playing these teams multiple times, you know, your adjustments are game to game. Your scouting report in game two might look very different than it did in game one. And your scouting report in game five might look different than game two because it's all about adjustments. It is like, what are, you, what are the players doing? Are you learning on the fly? Or are you caught in the moment, right? Are you learning on the fly? Hey, look at they're, they're, they're really, this is a point of emphasis for them um, and it's working. So we've got to try to make our adjustment. You know, what's our counter move? It, it, it is a bit of a chess match. Um, finals aren't always pretty, you know, the, you know, people talk about cup classics, but there's been plenty of them that you go, yeah, you know what, this is really just about the result and let's see if we can grind it out. So I think the number one takeaway is, is, is those kind of in-game adjustments. And, and, and also, you know, really so many cup finals have been close down the stretch and, and Kieran, you mentioned, you know, the overtime games or the buzzer beaters and then, you know, and things like that, but, you know, and, and, and the guy in the seventh row, did they, did they realize, you know, that we missed some layups there or we missed free throws in the first quarter as well, you know, point blank shots. So I, I, I just think that I call it red zone in those last couple of minutes of each quarter, are you, are you aware of the, of the time, the score, the foul count, you know, are we in the bonus Is somebody, is somebody in foul trouble, red zone execution really, really matters. And, and, and mastering those special situations, even little things like your out unders, you know, from under the basket, your side outs, are you, are you happy just to get the ball out or do you see something where you might be able to get a score or put a team under pressure? Um, oftentimes too. And, and, and I thought that in the semifinal, um, 
Aina really dodged a bullet when Mark Reynolds picked up his second foul, you know, that there was, you know, I, I didn't see any concerted effort to really take him on and put him into continued pressure, you know? So I, I just like to look for now that I'm observing more than participating, I like to look and see the chess match between the coaches and then what, what, what are the players doing to adjust to, to the situation at hand? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, over the course of those finals, do you, like, did you pick up on Irish players in particular of how they reacted? Like, uh, obviously, there's different people are going to react to the moment in different ways and everything else. But was there any kind of consistency over how you saw it, it, not only your own players but opposition? It's kind of, uh, it's even a, from a coaching point of view at the start of the game of points of emphasis. If you if you're trying to get guys to settle into the game and not go outside of what they're kind of doing. Is there anything that you picked up over the years that you'd see in these kind of moments? Are you be trying to emphasize the guys? What, like, I guess where I'm getting at is what are the controllable factors that you really know that it, this kind of TV environment and everything else is going to bring out that you know it's coming, but it's just how do you control it? Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I would always keep an eye and an ear out for the communication levels um, amongst the players, um, you know, as much as the coaches think that they're in control, they're really not, you know, to, you know, they're, they're in control, thankfully, because it's a stop clock situation. And, 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 you know, you can control situations from there when the timeout and things like that. But I would always look for, in terms of the leveling, I would always look for the level of engagement of, of the players, whether they be, you know, your domestic players or your imports, because, um, you know, the, the situation presents itself in different ways. You have the razzmatazz, you have the TV, but the pressure, you know, I, I would suggest to the players, the pressure is a privilege. You know, the, the, this is a privileged opportunity you have. Every other team in the country wants to be on that bench with you. Um, so, so I, I but uh, to your question, I, I used to love to see the, the, the level of talk, especially during dead ball situations. I'm thinking now guys like Tim O'Halloran, you know, Tim, Tim wouldn't have been regarded say as a big name superstar with, you know, necessarily, but I would, I would stand over and I've said this previously, I don't know how many championships or trophies we would have been able to pull off without a guy like Tim O'Halloran. Do you know what I mean? Who loved those moments, who loved making the big stops, who loved doing, making the little plays that don't necessarily show up on the score sheet. Um, but, but I, I'm thinking of him during cup games and his level of eye contact and his communication with the, with his teammates during dead balls, you know, it was very admirable. You mentioned those games and you mentioned the likes of Tim and again, when is the time that you yourself gone? You mentioned red zone execution, like, because they were tight games, all those finals. What's one that you go, God, I got that one wrong. And what's one where, yeah, we got that one right. And I'm proud of that one because, you know, there was all those overtime games. You're like the Shane Collin won two finals on, on the free throw line on the buzzer. Uh, Limerick as well. And then you lost one to Notre Dame, who obviously have links with Aina, who are there now. Where are ones that you maybe got uh, slightly right and you got maybe wrong? Well, if you want to talk about the ones I got wrong, I'm assuming this is an extended podcast you know extended version or bonus <laughs> bonus bonus time we have here but uh no i i i again you know i started off saying about mastering those red zone situations and the adjustments you make and what what lessons do you learn over the years but but a hard hard lesson i learned 
I thought I was doing the right thing at the time, which is we in the 99 cup final, I'm dating myself, I know, but in the 99 cup final, um, we made a terrific rally in the final against uh, Denny Notre Dame, the Anthony Jenkins and, and, and all those fellas. Um, we made a terrific, terrific comeback. And I think we were down by one possession with, with um, it was maybe up around 30 seconds left. You'll probably, Karen, knowing you, you'll probably tell me exactly how much time was <laughs> on the clock, but um, they, we had an incredible, I told the lads in the timeout, I said, um, you know, we're going to make the stop. I was convinced we were going to make the stop. The guys were so tuned in and so focused and we had all the momentum and, you know, the crowd was roaring. The place was, it was a great moment really. And there was no one in the building that was going to convince me with 30 some seconds left on the clock that we weren't going to get the ball back. And we were down by one basket. Nobody could have told me that, Hey, you're not actually going to get the ball back. And our defense was outstanding. The ball gets swung around Lenny McMillan, is literally, literally, and I'm not, this is not a joke. He's literally falling out of bounds from the right corner in, 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 in the, in the national arena. And to, for like this shot at the, at the, at the shot clock buzzer, not the game buzzer, the shot clock buzzer. And he falls out of bounds, but the ball like bounces hard off the, the side of the rim and long rebounds back out. And he steps back in bounds and all of a sudden uh, they recovered the ball and then it was one of those things, guys, almost like in slow motion. As soon as they got the offensive rebound, I was like, no, because it <laughs> dawned on me. It dawned on me that we had four fouls to give. And basically, long story short, was over the last like nine or ten seconds of the game, they ran out the clock because we would foul. They would inbound from the side. So that that is a a lifetime of regret that i remember with detail 20 some years later <laughs> you, well, you recovered and then you got on the right side of some of them had and look you you mentioned that you go back but look you you have a recent involvement in the cup you you we've been talking a lot about your involvement with ucc blue demons and Cork, but you also obviously did um you were involved with neptune who got to league finals and cup semi-finals and then look tralee who you won a super league with Got to a Super League Cup semi-final 2020, played in it. So they're a team you know well because they beat you on that occasion. And look, I know that you have been watching them. They played down in Cork twice to get to the final. What's your what's striking you about Aina? Um, Aina to me is is I I I'm seeing you know a couple of years ago when we were going through that, those games with them, they, they, they seemed almost like the new kids on the block. You know, they, there was a bit of an edge to them. They were, they were, they were, um, they were a different side than they are now. There's a lot of same faces, but I see a maturity in them now that maybe I didn't see a couple of years ago. And, and, and that um, they're, they're fairly level-headed, you know, they could have gone down. I was at the Neptune game um where they beat Neptune and I was at the Balancholic, uh, the Emporium court game. And I just, I just like the maturity within the squad and there's a level headedness, whether that comes from Darren or whether that comes from the backcourt and Josh Wilson and, or whether that comes from the maturity of guys like Mark Reynolds. I just like there was a level headedness there um, that, that, that really suits them well for a final, by the way. Um, there's a level headedness there that they're able to weather the storm. And, and in both of those games, they, 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 
they didn't lose their way. And more importantly, they, they, they kept an emotional pace, if you will, um, that, that served them well in both the quarterfinal and the semifinal. Um, so that's, that's the thing that impresses me about them is that they, they don't, they don't really seem to get rattled. No, we've seen that, uh, they've won all sorts of games this year and a variety of different situations. And I think one of the things for me with them is that things can be going, they can look like the worst offensive team for 12 minutes straight. And then suddenly in three minutes, they, they kind of just get an incredible momentum. And when they ride that momentum, it's really powerful. And we saw the last time they were in the cup final, they just had incredible support in the arena. And I think they feed off that sort of, like you see them, they flex more than any team you're, you're going to see running down the court. Josh does it. Everyone does it. And it's very hard to, to contain that when, when a team is coming back at you. Um, who you, you mentioned Mark Reynolds in that semifinal that he kind of got in foul trouble. And I think Emporium Cork basketball don't really play interior basketball in the same way that uh, University of Galway do. So University of Galway have two big bodies there that it's probably the biggest worry on uh, on Darren McGovern's uh, kind of plate this week is just how they deal with the size internally. Is that what you would look at or what what are you looking at as the big worry? I, I would. I mean, again, they, they, have, they have a very strong... Uh, you know, they, and there's depth in post there too. They, a couple of those guys, they could, are pretty interchangeable and they could, there's plenty of fouls to use up there. Um, and they're a big, strong body. I, I, I saw Mary in, in, in the, um, in the semifinals and they're, they're as strong a side as, as you're going to find obviously. And, 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 and their record in the league speaks to that as well. Um, I was particularly, um, very, very impressed with Jared, ha- Jared Haynes and, um, you know, again, he he could score in a variety of, variety of ways, and he's one of these guys you could just see him going off in a, in a cup final. You could just see him going off. He's 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 built for um, you know uh, production. He's a prolific scorer. He really is. And 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 I think the only thing that would stop him from being prolific was would be the way he involves his teammates. You know, he's he's really good. I was very impressed with him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he struggled last weekend against Cholesterol, but I think Murray kind of struggled in general as a dogfight. It looked like a trap game, really, where they maybe their minds weren't fully there, but also Cholesterol are very good defensively. It's one of the questions that's kind of going around on people's minds is like two of the games that Murray have lost this year, they've played against zone, a lot of zone. Uh, Adrian Fulton would say that he had a lot of success in the second game against um, Murray with, with zone. Danny O'Mahony played zone with demons against them. Yeah. It's it's not in Aina's nature really to play a lot of zone. They did last weekend against Tralee and it was it didn't look it didn't look great. Um, it, it, when you know there's a weapon there, but you don't use it very often, how tempting is it to kind of again dip into that bag of tricks to to look at something that maybe you're not always doing, but you know is a weakness of your opponent? Sure, sure. I I look at I think you know obviously from a coaching point of view, you you, you need this you know, you need to be able to say, Hey, look at, I believe, I believe that this can make a difference. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to really age myself. I learned about the adjustment stuff. I was an assistant on a high school team in 1993. We played 29 straight games, a man to man in the state Pennsylvania state championship. The head coach said, nah, we're going to go with a zone today. And we won this, we won the game. And, and so it was, it was also a lesson to me. It's saying, Hey, look at, if you believe it and, 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 and you believe that players are capable of doing it. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Aina showing, showing the zone 
in in in, in against um, Trilly last week, and I mean, where 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 they get in a dry run, you know, where they get in a dry run for for what's to come. And and look at I I, I think that you have to be able to believe into it. There's no magic offense. And, there, and there's no magic defense. It, everything comes down to the execution of it. Um, some of that execution is tied to, you know, the, the you know, the, do the players understand their roles within that particular defense? Do do um, do they believe in it? That's a big part of it too. Um, you know, I, I always notice too when guys go from man to zone. You know, if a guy hit back to back threes against a man to man, nobody screams. You got to go zone. You know, but if a guy go if a guy hits back to back threes against his own nobody, you know, everybody says you got to get back to man to man. So yeah. everything really does come down to execution. I I think it, 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 we're we're set for a terrific match though for the final. I I think it's um I I like the energy that Mary bring. Um, uh, again, you know, a lot of it would be how do they handle the occasion too. Um, but I, I but I think it's it, 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 it's it's really um it's set up for a really nice match here though. Who do you think will win it? Oh, you're really doing that, huh? Yeah, that's what it's here for. I don't know. <laughs> we won't submit to it ourselves. I don't want to get <laughs> heckled on Twitter here, fellas. I, you know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look. If 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 we're doing that, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ana on the back of again. Uh, I, I've 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 an appreciation for the maturity that they've shown in some tough situations so far this year and i like their experience at this level as well yeah i mean i i've been struck by just how measured you you you, you hit upon that pat and um i interviewed darren for tomorrow's paper and I, I was talking to him about that and like their whole game plan is based around just getting you to the fourth quarter you talked about how let's say neption had that run at the start of the quarterfinal 19-6 but you know there's every game even in Tralee I was down in Tralee last Saturday night and let's say Tralee uh, were about 8 or 10 up at, uh, going into half time within a minute and a half they had to call a timeout Donny he had to really rollick his boys uh, because they they got it back to 1 or 2 so they True. believe at any at any at any moment they feel they can go on a 7-0 run and they feel then they have the depth now there's been times where like against Star they feel if boys are rolling, they might stick with the same five, but they have so many guys to come in. There, there is the issue of injuries. Now, they have a next-man mentality, next-man-up mentality. Like, I mean, in the Neptune game, Tomic wasn't available. They've won games. Sean Jenkins has been is 50-50. You know, I see he was put forward for the media. I get I get the impression he'll be up for this. He's a gamer. Um, but, you know, so that, that I do think just that experience. But then again... Mary, I know they were in a semi-final last year. I think that experience will have helped them playing against Neptune. And look, just the league they're having. They're, they're legit too. Like we wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a surprise. It just would be, we're going on just the depth and experience of Aina just having maybe a, a little bit of a competitive advantage there. Yeah, well, look, Cup Cup finals could throw up a lot of things. You know, I remember, you know, on, on, not, nothing's really won on paper, but we've had we've had teams that were, on paper, less talented than the teams we beat in finals, and 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 that was flipped on us in other years as well. So yeah, Connor has a medal, like you know, <laughs> like he, he does. Yeah, he knows all about it. So, if, if, so. look, and if it's about who's supposed to win, we could all stay at home, right? You know, yeah, they could yeah, just yeah. post no, the trophy, meant to be played. 
just pass one other thing it's uh and i think we fell we certainly fell victim of this is uh stylistically you have murray play really nice controlled offense jared haynes uh, like it's it's a lot more methodical you know what they're doing they're running sets everything else aina are pretty different from that it's like at times it's like a little bit haphazard but they're finding they want to find a matchup that they want to take advantage of in the arena and in that environment, it's like hot, heavy. Sometimes running nice offense isn't the easiest thing to do when it's it's loud. We certainly struggle with that. Like we, the year we lost to Temple Oak, everyone would talk about the Yanis thing, which it's we would actually never speak of it, not never speak of it. It's not a not a thing for us. The thing about that, looking back at that final, was how disappointing we were in our own performance offensively all game long. We were terrible. And we couldn't get into a rhythm of our normal nice offense. You commentated on our semifinal that year. And when we were good that year, we were free-flowing. We moved the ball really well. And we just couldn't get into it. And I'm just wondering, is that another advantage for Aina? Is that they don't have to get into that sort of stuff to be able to execute, that they're able to find stuff in that. They already operate in that kind of dirty chaos. And is that a, a big factor for them? That's a great line. Dirty chaos. I, uh, I, I think that one of my big takeaways, um, say from the Neptune game, uh, that was the quarterfinal, right? Wait, 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 Dana, um, was really the simplicity at which they played. I mean, they probably scored 10 points off give and goes. You know, like, yeah. like old school basketball, I'm going to pass it to you. I'm going to cut and you're going to give it back and I'm going to get a layup. And, and like, there's, there's a beauty to that game, you know, that's not reliant and, and, and it has nothing to do with heavy tactics or it's not necessarily something unless you state as a point of emphasis defensively, Hey, you know, you got to really jump to the ball hard here and, and we have to flood that because they're, they're passing it back to the cutters. Like, um, but again, the simplicity. So you you had talked about systems, you know. If if the system is is rigid, you know that could be something you try to you say we're going to take away X and Y here, you know. Give them Z, but you know because you're always giving up something. But we're going to take a, if they're running a set play repeatedly. Well, there's certain whether you're you, whether you're trying to blow up how they initiate an offense or look at this is what they're trying to get to. There's going to be a point of emphasis within every defense that they do. But can you operate outside of that? You know, that's going to be a big deal come the weekend. Can you operate outside of it when somebody takes away option one and option two? So, listen, Pat, thanks very much for joining us on the All Net Pod. Uh, we'll have you back on when we're next back on again. Um, thanks very much for joining us and, um, you know, for giving us such insight. Um, as I said, you're, you're a veteran of Cup Finals, so many experience. And we're actually going to be joined here by you know someone who knows who's been in even more finals. Um, Mark Scannell, we're we're delighted to to say is joining us. Mark has unique um, unique perspective because Mark, um, I bumped into you in Cork um, in the hall the weekend of the quarterfinals, and you had lost Glenmire had lost the Trinity Meteors, and you were saying it was going to be the first. Cup semi-final weekend you hadn't been involved with, you know, that's how many semi-finals you've been involved with. And look, no one's been involved with more finals, both, um, you know, particularly on the women's end. You've won seven of them as far as I know. And you've been in, 10 years ago this weekend, you won with Neptune. So, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Um, Mark, what, what 
talk to us there. We were just talking about to Pat there at the start. How do you find what what does a cup finals weekend represent to you? How is it different to any other occasion within the um, How are you, lads? Delighted to be here. Um, listen, it's look for me, it's very unusual this weekend not being involved, obviously, but um. In general, I mean, it's it's the pinnacle of our season. No matter what way you dress it up, it it becomes it becomes almost um, part of how you set out at the start of the year to where you're going to be in January. So, whether anyone says it says so or not, it, it how you how you approach January is almost entirely different to how you. Well, this is how we've done it down through the years. It's almost entirely different to how you approach the rest of the season, and um, week in week out. There's so many other factors that that uh, come into play on a week like this. Um, and really, I suppose, it's keeping all that noise out and trying to concentrate just on the actual basketball and on your opponent and, and on performing on the day is the really difficult part. As you know, we all have sponsors. We have, you know, people in the club that do loads of work. They get a kind of little bit of limelight this time of year. You're trying to, you know, keep the press and the media and and everybody involved. You're trying to do all those different things. So that's really the challenge, I think, for especially you now, um, for for teams that are in it for probably the first time in a long time. Um, and I heard Pat talking earlier on there about Mary and 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 Aina and their situation. Um, and I suppose it's going to be similar for the likes of Trinity Meteors and Calista have a little bit more experience. But it's a totally different, I suppose. The the, the short answer is, um. It's it's different. It's a one-off game, and there's huge um, media presence around it. So we we obviously treat it a lot differently. Like Mark, you would have had a, played in a few of them as a player yourself, you know. And then you were coaching. You look, you're. It's 25 years ago. You 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 coached Neptune. It was your first year in the Super League, um, and as I said, you've been back to that stage many a time since. Like Charlie Crowley is in his first cup final. Darren still an coach at RTL, will be at its second Super League final. But from that experience, what what hit you? Um, like even what triggered there? You were talking about sponsors. I remember actually the Evening Echo and Cork sponsor Neptune for that '98 Cup final. And just uh, and, and what did you learn early from that? What what can hit a first time coach? Even though you had been coaching for years before then. I, I think the outside factors, <clears throat> excuse me, are the big um, are the big problem. Um, I, I think what I've learned down through the years more than anything else is that you you have to allow the people around you to look after a lot of the stuff that you can't control. I think that's really important because I remember my first year with Neptune. Um, I was a very young coach at the time. A lot of the players I was playing with were my peers, and I suppose I was trying to control a situation that I had absolutely no understanding of. Um, whereas people like McNoonan at the time and Dave Cody and people like this and Neptune, Tony O'Connell, these people, they, they had loads of experience of that and I probably should have allowed them to do more back then. And that was a very valuable lesson learned um, from day one um, to like, allow the people in the club do their jobs and you do your job and your job is to coach the team and prepare the team and keep it ready. I know now when I'm in cup finals with Glamour, we try to do all the media stuff two weeks beforehand. I suppose that was a little thing we learned from the GA is they try to try to get as much done as you can two or three weeks before the final, so that the week or two leading up to the final you can concentrate completely on your on your basketball. Um, I think the other thing is is not to worry about the outcomes. You know, like you're in a big game and we all worry about 
if we win, we have to do this, and if we lose, it'll be a big disappointment, and so on. I think you 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 really have to control the controllables in those situations, and you really have to you have to make sure that your assistant coaches and your staff are have scouted the opposition and that we're 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 bang on with what we want to do as 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 a group. Uh, you have to make sure, obviously, that your preparation and your training schedule is 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 bang on. You have to try and simulate some of the stuff. I think, like the time of your game, is usually different in a cup final. Um, you know, usually if you play on two o'clock in the afternoon, you could be playing at eight o'clock at night or set or five o'clock at night with the girls. You know, so I think all of these things we we overlook. But as you get more experience, these things become very important. Even down to you know. Sometimes we get new gear for the cup final, and and I try to stop all of that. Not you know, just try and do what you're doing. You get your new gear at the start of the season. You set out your goals, and one of your goals is to be in the cup final. And 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 I I hate like when we change that. When we change like um the uniforms we're wearing, how we approach, what time we go to the game, what time we go to the gym. So I think the big challenge for the, for particularly for teams that are in it for the first time is to try and keep as much normality around. Um, Mark, what way would you do? We, we have two Dublin teams in the final, so look, they're going to just rock up. But let's say for a Cork team playing at half five, that would have been the case for you last year against yeah. the yeah. and, and as you said, it's 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 now. Would you go up on the day, or would you go up the night before, or what way? Yeah, normally, you know, for a half five game, we'd go up on the day more than likely. But then you see, we had we again, the, like the basketball community is so small that you'd have players on our team who's husbands and boyfriends might have been playing the night before in the arena and so on and they'd want to be at that game and there's lots of different stuff like that so normally what I tell the girls or what I used to do is that if we're going up the night before you're going up as a kind of an individual almost and we would have a time in the afternoon that we would have to be in the hotel so whether that's for breakfast in the morning or whether it's you know, you go up the night before now to be fair over the last number of years we've, we've generally gone up the night before because we would have maybe another team in a final or something down through the years. We might have had an 18s team and a 20s team and obviously want to support them. But um, where possible, we would try to keep it on the day, but it's not always that possible around the cup. But the bottom line is we'd usually practice it. If we did go up the night before, we'd usually practice, uh, we'd usually shoot maybe the afternoon we get there and make the nighttime kind of, give them their own space, let them do what they want to do, like go to a game in the arena, maybe stay in the hotel, watch it on the TV, whatever. And then we'd have a team meeting normally, you know, at 10 o'clock-ish and, 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 and they'd set out the plan for breakfast the next morning. We would always shoot after breakfast. We would always go to usually King's Hospital or wherever. That was kind of our tradition. Um, and then pretty much go back, have a team lunch, give them a bit of rest and then head over to the stadium, whatever time, uh, maybe half three, four o'clock, and um, and then have your warm ups maybe as 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 you know normal as possible. But again, like TG Cahar and other people would have you. There's certain times where they'd want team photographs or interviews and so on. So you kind of have to work with all of that. But in general, you know, I suppose over the last number of years, because of the final being at half five, we we had no choice really but to go up the night before. Whereas sometimes I would have preferred to go up on the day, you know, like it's a normal National League game away, you know. Do, do, do you like the women's game final being a standalone as opposed to the, the men's final coming on after? Is it better as a standalone, the way they have it right now? I mean, it has it has its for and against. I think um, as to develop the women's game, it, it, it's been really good the last few, few, few years, really, in that like we... we 
we've had cello cello crows. We'd have fant- we've had fantastic matches, um, and it's worked really well over the over the last number of years. And I think the women's super league committee and and basketball and people in general have done a really good job in setting the 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 final in that situation. Obviously, we're um, I'm very traditionalist as well. I used to love the weekends where the semi final was on the Friday night and and Saturday night, and you played on the Sunday. Um, as a player, I loved that. As 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 a, as a spectator, I loved that. Uh, it was a re cup weekend, but no, with the Cork weekend sort of and the cup final weekend, they've kind of done a decent job on and still having that and the cup finals as a. And I think right now you couldn't fit people in. To be honest, if you had a women's final at five o'clock and a men's final at eight o'clock, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work from because, in fairness, the place is so loud again. Um, I was only speaking to Karen Sullivan the other day, actually, about I was at the Ballancolly game last Saturday and the number of people going to basketball now that are that I would say are not basketball people is frightening. And it's it's not frightening in a bad way. It's frightening in a good way. It's uh, it's just incredible that the interest um, and 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 like when you go to a Neptune's or Demons game at times, you know, everybody in the arena. But like like I found when you go to some of the other places now, there's loads of GA people there, there's loads of other sport people there, and it's great for the game, you know. Well, Mark, as someone who has looked, you were there at the boom of the eighties, you know, playing with successful man and and and, and demons teams, and you you you've consistently been involved in the Super League, as you said, you went from winning a Super League with Nipson in '97 to coaching in a Cup final in '98. You've seen the league ebb and flow. Just on that. You do think now this is as high as it's been post eighties, is it? Or and and why? What would you attribute it to? I think basketball has grown hugely um, in in the world, and it's it's like like as in, I suppose the amount of YouTube stuff, the amount of of NBA stuff on Sky, and 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 the amount of stuff like that TG Kaha carries now with the international games and everything. I just think the interest is at an all time high. I think a lot of other sports are very interested in how basketball works. Um, I think a lot of coaches are very interested. They watch games for from a tactical point of view, um, just because it's on the telly. Um, and I think people go to the games for the for the buzz of it. Again, it's back again. You know, there is a great buzz there. There is like when we played um, we played Galway earlier in the season in the girls, and I couldn't get over the crowd there for the for the girls game on a, a Saturday afternoon above in um, University of Galway. It was brilliant. Any of the games I've watched on basketball or on TV, like I watched the Marion Demons game actually as it happened last Saturday night, and I couldn't get over the crowd. You know, it's just been anytime you go to Ballincollig, you can't get in half the time. It's, um, it's, it's funny, Mark. It's uh, we, when we uh, at the start of this season, when we uh, we've obviously uh, we're not the strongest Super League team this year in Marion and a young team, and we were kind of like, will we struggle attendance-wise to even like make enough money to be kind of getting by and everything else? Our attendance this year, despite the way the like the lack of uh, success and everything else is better than the year that we won the league. Uh, significantly yeah. better as well, consistently. And yeah. part of that is absolutely, uh, like, we have a lot of young guys who've cl- grown up through the club and the wider club wants to see them do well and they're absolutely supporting it. But it's definitely this whole thing. It's basketball is certainly flavor of the month at the moment. That you, it is. You can, you can pick it up and it's part of the conversation. It's like, it, it, I'm not, uh, like, I'm only mid-30s and when I was in school... 
you would really be kind of if you play basketball it's kind of like oh like fine why like you do that but now if a kid says in school that they like basketball the other kids would probably know a couple of the players or be able to say something about it or they've seen stuff and it's just it's remarkable how it's changed so quickly in in those years yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. I mean, having a podcast like this every week, it, it has helped, you know. The the during the I think during the lockdown as well, there was a lot of Zoom stuff going on. People became more aware of what was going on. And I think people just love being at the games now. I mean, I, I, I love on a Saturday like Cork is great at the moment because you know you can go to a Balancholy game on a Saturday at four o'clock, and then you can go to the stadium on a Saturday night, and then you can go to the afternoon and watch demons and maybe watch us before demons. Then there's always a Brunel game on a Sunday. It's just, it's and it's the same people going to the games, you know. And it's and and obviously there there's the extra people then that the local clubs are that are doing themselves. It's just I, been great. It's I, it, the exact situation you're talking about is a huge problem within Dublin. Is that you can often have six, seven games all tipping off seven or seven thirty at yeah. the same time, and it's just. We don't have that same advantage that it's brilliant, the idea that you can go to a couple of the games. And you even have the same, like even with Basketball Ireland TV, one of the things you see is, like I obviously watch a good few of the games doing the column and different things, and they're all at the same time. A lot of them, yeah, a lot pretty. of the games are very similar. And if we can, it's it's one of the big things, if we can stagger some of those or find ways to get yeah. the, the game spread over the weekend a little bit more, people will just take in even more of this than, than yeah. the uh, that's are. that's kind of my pet hate actually I, I think if we could do that I think all the clubs should try to sit down in the different localities a little bit at the start of the season look at their fixtures and figure it out a little bit better I know it's hard for John Walsh to do that and it's hard for the referees but that that's the one thing that like you, you we, we should be giving ourselves every opportunity to get as many people to every game as possible and that's probably the only downside at times when there's so many clubs in, in the same area, you know, but, but the other thing is the basketball on TV has helped, like, because we're, we're there at times and we're watching, like, we're at the Neptune game and we're watching the Demons game, you know, or we're at, like, or we're at the, we're at a, we're at, we're at a girls game and we're watching how our Trinity getting on or how our Liffey Celtic getting on. It's been, it's been great. Look, it's, it's all good news, to be honest. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's, 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 it's the thing, the place to be again. I watch my young fella there, Jack, when he's, when he's um, like, he meets all his buddies from Demons and Neptune or whatever, and they're all at the games again, you know, and that's, that's brilliant. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's a great thing. And Mark, you've been coaching in the Women's Super League for 15 plus years. Um, it's gone through different phases in that time. Uh, look, Lamire have been a constant throughout that time, you know, where do you see the league now, both the quality and also its power dynamic? Uh, you, the way that meteors now look like they could be on the cusp of something, you know, the way that, as I said, you've been constantly through DCU have been always in the top three. Um, where, where do you see both the quality of the league and the dynamic power shift of the league at the moment? Um the, the women's league in particular can change very quickly. One or two players can 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 change the whole dynamic of a situation very quickly, as we all know. I mean, you have the you have the constants, you have the DCUs, you have the Glamires, you have the Brunels, um, that Calester, you know. And but but you see one or two players coming into meters have brought them from a, a mid-table team to to like the team to beat right now. Um the Americans. Um, some of the Americans can change. Like, if you get a really good American, it can it can make a huge difference, you know. And I think we are getting better Americans. 
in the men's, they're getting unbelievable Americans at the moment. Some of the women's teams are getting really good Americans. And and on the downside of that, if if your Americans are not as good as they maybe you thought they were, that can that can create a major problem. Um, there's a gap, I think, with the Irish players at the moment. Um, in that we have a lot of really, really good young players coming through, like 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds coming through. And then you have the the older players, like kind of from Grania the Wire, we say down to the likes of Anya McKenna, Claire Rock, all these kind of people. Um, they're 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 getting a bit older, you know, they're in there. And I think where there's a big gap at the moment in the women's basketball is the 25 to 30 year olds. There's not they, they, they there's not as many and I don't I mean this with all due respect now. There's it there's not as many dominant players in that age group. Um, what would you attribute that to Mark? Is there anything to do it, with the discontinuation of the national team? You know that better than anyone. Or, or is it, it has to have I, I think there's three there's two or three factors. I think that that definitely didn't help. Um because I think during that time what people forget is we lost a lot of players to the GA and to the rugby. Because if you couldn't play for your country at, at, at national level, the, the better athletes and no, for for different reasons, the the the, the ladies Gaelic football did a, an unbelievable job in promoting the game there for 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 five or six years there, um, and they got a lot of like they got a lot of the better athletes that we would have had, um, maybe that would have played a lot of basketball. They went to football, and then that football became almost a, an all year round sport. And the girls that we used to get in the winter, we weren't getting as much, and they were committing to. They had no other choice. They couldn't miss practice, and they had to, you know, they had to kind of put in a hundred percent effort, like the men in the in the GA in the GA teams. That helped. Rugby became ladies. Rugby has gone, and I mean, some of our best players ended up playing rugby later on in their careers. And so we we have competition. You know, we didn't maybe when the knee of the wears and the Michelle Fies and the Michelle Aspels and these people were coming through out of out of. Um, out of secondary school into college, basketball was the be all and end all for all of them. You know, I worried. I, I I wonder if if Gaelic football and rugby was as it is today. How many of those wonderful players that we had, top top players, would have ended up playing other sports? And I think now the, the, the wheel is turning again, and basketball is becoming really popular again. So the younger kids are playing basketball and they are playing Gaelic football as well. But I do think we've lost. A generation might be a bit much, but we've yeah, probably lost. Yeah. You know, that, in, that demographic in, is is the key, Mark, isn't it? Because it is, it is. Yeah, twenty five to thirty, and and so that that's that's overall. And then look the the league itself. And you mentioned look Niger's rise, and you mentioned one or two players. Look, uh, an obvious one. Uh, all right, they started with uh, actually Sarah Kenny would have come through Glenmire, and then obviously you're well familiar with Edel from the national team and just being from Cork. And then it went with Dana and nobody, you worked extensively with Claire Amelia. She's going for a personal three in a row, back-to-back Super League with different programs. Um, Mark, what kind of, how, explain to someone who's maybe is only a passing interest, where you put her in the league, the Pantheon even, as to what's happened before, and also the kind of personality and, and in coaching her. Look, there, every every few years, there's generational players, what I would call like, um, and I've been very lucky to coach a lot of them. Um, Claire, Claire is there, thereabouts, but she's very young. And like, like she needs to enjoy our basketball. And, and we can't be putting um, 
those kind of comparisons on Claire yet. She had a wonderful year last year with Glanmire. Um, she had a great team around her. She had some really good, experienced players. Um, and she was absolutely brilliant for us. And everything she got, she deserved and she worked really hard for. This year, it's a little bit different in that um, she's probably the player on Meteors that they look to. Um, she's the, She's been there, done that last year. So she's probably going in with a different dynamic in Meteors this year. More, um, There's a lot more expected of her, I think, at the start. Um, she's done that. She's carried that team. But in the big picture, like she's been a brilliant international all done from, from her under 16 days all the way up. Um, but I, I think she needs to be like we need to kind of leave her alone a little bit as well and not be making too many comparisons. I mean, you can I can start naming names like I mean, but like for me, players like Mary Breen, um, Michelle Fahey, um, you know, Neve Dwyer, um, Gronya Dwyer, and and then you go on to all the great players that what that I've been lucky to coach, like Claire Rockall, uh, Claire O'Sullivan, she'll kill me. Um, um, you know, Anya McKenna. And then you can go back as far as the Denise Walters and all these and the Susan Morans and the Michelle Aspels. Um, these were all fantastic players in their own right. And they all had their, their moment. Um, and I think the big problem right now is that Claire is doing it so young. I mean, she's she's still only 20, what, 22 years of age. And uh, like, as you said, she's going for back-to-back three, three in a row, which, uh, which is unbelievable. But, uh, Gwen, sorry, you can't. Yeah, just on that, I guess going back to the previous point of the gap between 25 and 30, like what, and with Claire in mind and, and a group, the, the group of peers that she has around her that all had incredible success internationally underage and have come through and have had big moments in cups, the circuit turnings, all those sort of ones. What needs to be done to to keep keep this the right environment for them to keep kind of excelling and keep within the league so that they are there for the 25 to 30. So that's not just kind of, yes, the national team is back, which is absolutely a huge part of it. But is there other things that we need to be doing as a, as a country to be really kind of fostering them to keep, uh, keep pushing on if, uh, within Ireland and keep the environment right so that they want to be here and keep kind of doing this year in year out? I, I, I know this sounds very simple, but they need to be playing, you know, that's really important as well. And and in the National League at times, um, we're lucky enough in the, in the girls and a lot, a lot of times there's two Americans and the odd team, there's an odd European. Um, but the, it's hard to keep, it's like if, if, um, if you have a couple of 24 and five-year-olds, maybe a couple of 30-year-olds, it's hard for the 18 and 19-year-olds. It's happening down in Waterford. It's not happening all, all around the country. Brunel in fairness, are blooding a lot of young girls at the moment because they don't have Americans. But it's it's getting them the playing time can be difficult at times um, when they're coming from underage basketball into senior basketball. And, you know, that can be a deterrent because when kids get to college and um, they're, they're like 19, 20, 21, and obviously they want to start enjoying their college life. Um, and then if they're playing National League, they're missing out on a lot of, of what's happening in college and on the weekends and on the... And, and there's a huge commitment for them. And then sometimes they can go around the country and play not as much maybe actually, as they actually, should, you know? I actually interviewed Darren McGovern for tomorrow's paper and he was actually just thrown out there that that you have to play an under 20 in the first half. You have to have an under 20 on the floor, which he would say is that means that you have to have at least three on the squad and they're getting to play. And it's the same for the, 
the 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 other team that they have to have an under twenty. Because you said um, some guys were ready to go through it, Mark. You know, it was famously pointed out the likes of Gordon Fitzgerald or whatever rode the bench for six years before he became a starter or whatever. But that kids that you know a 19 as you said even a 21 22 year old there's a stage where they pull the plug and they're not going to give that commitment to going around the country is there any merit in that or that's what you're talking about getting them on the floor yeah yeah it is and like and like listen i'm not the best at it i mean i'm like you know we're all trying to win basketball matches you're trying to keep your 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 like there's 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 this kind of analogy um you know, the, the older players have earned their dues. They've worked hard. They've put in the time. They've done it for the last six, seven, eight years. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to stop playing them um, and stop playing your 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds who think that they're every bit as good and maybe who haven't paid their dues yet? And then what's paying your dues, you know? Um, like, the men did introduce an under-20 league. That's That's been very successful, I know. Like from my own situation, the lads are on Balancholic and, and and that they get loads of basketball out. They play in the 20 league, they play against Tralee and they play against Kilorglin and they play against the Cork teams in the 20. We haven't done that with the women, you know. We haven't we haven't introduced an under 20 league. Maybe there's merit in that. Maybe maybe just some tournaments to start off and give the younger players more more game time. But like the, the Dharma Garvin thing is is a great idea in theory. Deep. But what happens to a club that doesn't? But, but, but it's particularly, you know, I suppose the way they have the playoff format, the league is back to first past the post, right, Mark? Absolutely. You've seen it all. What's your own preference? Because look, the league is still massive. Obviously, it's what you're going for now. What's your own preference? You've seen it all ways from all perspectives. Well, it's how like we've won, we've won three or four leagues where we want regular season champions. You know, so like. I, I think once you know at the start of the year, you set out your stall. Like if, if it's a straight league, there's very, very little margin forever for error. So you have to you just have so to that's get what you have this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you and then every game is a final because you can't afford to slip up because it looks like meters are not going to slip up too often. So there is that added um added problem like with, with how you approach every game. For the for the men, they can afford to lose a few games, still get themselves into the playoff situation, and then go for the league um, at the end of the season. Um, I think for development, playoff situation might be might be better in some ways because you can afford a few slip ups and you can afford to um, to experiment a little bit more. Um, but in the women, you th- there isn't that margin for error, and that's not helping the situation. So we have a situation where look, you're one of the top two teams in the league. You're not in the last two of the cup, which you said is the pinnacle. So I know it goes. You, you, you look, you 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 went up against Meteors. Um, there's a chance that we could be looking back, depending on how the final goes, and saying, "Look, the real final was down in Ipswich in the first round between you and them." Another, it was a very close game. Mark, from having seen them, and look, you're going up against Calester too. What's your read off this final? Well, funny thing, I I actually um. I think it's going to be a really good final. Um, I think cup finals in general they never they never go according to the script. Um, I mean last year just just quickly. I mean we we were hot hot favourites to win that final last year. And um, let's be honest, going in trying to keep that noise out was very difficult for us as a team. And you know, with eight minutes to go, it didn't look like we were going to win that final. You know, we were in serious trouble. I knew and my team knew that Mark Ingle and DC were going to come with a game plan. And it was going to be very difficult for us to break it down. And they did that. And they did everything and threw this kitchen sink at us. And we just got over the line. 
So I, I think Meteor's going to this final as as, as firm favourites, absolutely. But I actually love the way Calester are playing at the moment. I actually sat down last Saturday night and I watched Calester and Liffey because I spoke to Mark Grinnell actually yesterday. And, um, you know, just Calester are playing some unbelievable basketball at the moment. They're, they're just running the basketball. They're shooting the basketball for fun. Um, they have a very good five, very balanced five, I would say. And... Um, I just think they'll they'll be they'll be right there in the thick of it um, on Sunday evening. But in saying that, m- meteors meteors have they're almost like an old school basketball team. Um, like they're they're probably playing the way maybe teams played seven or eight years ago. Um, they're controlling the tempo of the game. They're never phased. They slow the game down almost to their level. And Claire Melia has a lot to do with that at times. And um, they're high-low game, they're bigs inside. Not too many teams are that big in the league at the moment. And Trinity are really, really difficult opponents because they have the kind of inside game more than the outside game that a lot of us yeah. don't have at the moment. And so it's obviously the area of weakness as well for Colester is that they have Ella, Ella McCluskey inside, but there aren't a lot of other big bodies. So more than likely, would you be expect? Everyone seems to think that... We'll see a lot of zone from Colester. That's probably the the tactic. And then it's just a matter of whether meteors can be patient and hit shots from the outside. Is it that simple? I wish it was. I suppose it, it's... it's Look, first of all, Ella, Ella McCluskey has played unbelievable basketball. She was brilliant last week against Liffey Celtics. Uh, she was really good in the semi-final. Um, I think she'll give meteors their own few problems. I think the new American that they have... Um, Latimer is is a yeah. super player. She can play, do a lot of different things, um, and the and the 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 Lithuanian girl that they have, Jab, I think is is how she goes now. That's that's what they call her, and um, she's been wonderful for them as well. So they do have that little bit of you know kind of um, sneaky size for the want of a better word. In that, like they length they can rebound and they have a bit yeah. of length and. You know, the only thing I'd worry about Colester is is their is their um, foul trouble against Sarah and um, and the American and and, and Claire Mila. You know, like they, they they have to avoid foul trouble. But definitely, I think they'll play a lot of zone. I think they'll switch it up. I think they'll press a little bit, um, and I think they'll they'll try to take the ball out of the Spanish girl's hands, who's a very good guard, and maybe force Dane and Claire to be involved more. Uh, in in setting up the offense, which which um, which would slow meters down a little bit, but but you know Mark is a good coach. He's been around the block. He's um, he he knows he knows how to win games, and I think they'll have a game plan. Um, and I we, think it'll be I think it'll be it'll be a good good game of basketball. We certainly saw with the the Spanish point guard was out for meters in that uh, game against Mystics just after Christmas and. Meteors really struggled to get into offense. They were just kind of a little bit out of sorts. When you have Dana, where she's not able to be aggressive herself and is trying to run the team, it really takes away from what, what she's able to do. Um, the the Colester team, on the flip side of it, they have athleticism and length, as we said, and China Latimer in particular is going to be a really tough matchup for Meteors. How do you, is that like a Sarah Kenny job or is, is it a, like, how, how do you think Niall Berry's going to approach the, that problem? Because she's been absolutely, she had 34 in the semi final and has been absolutely brilliant. I think they'll, I think they'll, um, 
like it'll probably be Sarah, maybe Rebecca O'Keefe, maybe maybe Neve Kenny at times, you know, will will probably chase her around the place a bit. But I think the big thing they have is that they have either um Selena or or Claire waiting, you know, so they yeah. probably force her into into you know into situations where they can get a lot of help on her, you know, because um that's the big thing with meteors. Like if you don't shoot the ball really well and then you have to attack the basket, they 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 can keep their bigs in the key. And and they cause you problems. But the one thing I do like about um Calester is that they shoot the ball like like very few other teams in the league. Like we had an unbelievable match against them about three weeks ago above in Calester, and it was like a shootout at the OK Corral. We made 16 threes to win that game, you know. So, and we had to. We had to make everyone like Mimi Clark is one of my favorite players in the league, has been for for the, for a, a long, long time now. You know, she played for me on the national team. But what I love about Mimi is that. She doesn't stand around. You think you like like don't give her a shot in the corner or don't give her a shot on top of the key. No, she's the best. She's the best in the league at running around the three point line. She just is in constant motion. She's added um being able to get to the basket when she has to. Her mid-range jumper is better, but she can really run around the three point line and she can cause your first problems. And if she gets hot in the arena and 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 their their small guard can penetrate the way she can and and you know they Meters will have the hands full, but I wouldn't be surprised if meters come with a bit of zone as well against them, maybe a bit of matchup or a bit of three two, you know. Yeah. That that cholesterol loss is their their only loss since October, which kind of really speaks to how well Mark has them playing over the, the last while. Um I, I guess my last one on it, Mark, is like just what's the one thing that Cholester has to get right if they're gonna win, and what's the one thing meteors have to get right if they're gonna win? I think Calesta have to stay out of full trouble because they're not very deep. You know, they have to, and Mark has to do a very good job on rotating his players. Um, and I think they have to shoot the ball extremely well from the three-point line. I really do. I think that, um, you know, like Meteors coast along for a lot of the games and they don't score much more than 70 points. Um, have they had to really score more than that to win this year? No. But they may have to do that on Sunday. If Meteors, or if, if Calesta score the ball, and make the shots. And if Calester's goal is to get get the game into the 80s, they have a really good chance. Um, for meters, they have to, I suppose, they have to defend the three-point line really well. They have to stop that penetrating guard who's brilliant when she gets in the lane. And um, I think Latimer could be, like every team comes in with an American who you say, you know what, she's a cup player, you know? And I, I was very impressed with Latimer last week when the when um, Chanel Williams got injured, or not injured, she got in full trouble and she had to sit out, I think, about six or seven minutes of that game, or maybe longer. And Latimer went to the point and did an unbelievable job running the team. So, like, she can play four spots for them. Yeah. Um, but, but again, like, the Claire Media factor is huge. You know, I mean, Claire can't... If Claire, like, is allowed to play at her pace and dominate and dictate... Calesta will be in trouble. So they'll have to do something with her. Mark, you're heavily involved. Um, you're an observer of all basketball. You even mentioned how you're going from watching one game to another. Look, there's a lot of other, particularly underage games being played at the weekend. Is there any you're particularly keeping an eye on that you're looking forward to? Um, I think the 18, the 18 women's game and, uh, and the 20s is, is, are two really important games because looking at Brunel, at the moment, you know, and like obviously they're struggling in the league because of their lack of Americas. But the amount of young players that they're producing and bringing through right now, uh, again, here they are again back at an under 18 cup final, you know. Um, and 
you know, they're playing against meteors, you know, and you spoke there, Karen, earlier on about, about maybe a change in the guard or maybe like if meteors could could start, like maybe win this cup, they might establish themselves. Like meteors have been in a lot of underage finals down through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hasn't always uh, transferred to, to Super League because, you know, people have gone off to college and different things. But I think that I'd be keeping an eye on that game because I think Meteors and Brunel both, um, you know, are young teams and they, they could be huge teams in the Super League over the next number of years. And I think that'll be a really good game. And likewise with the under-20 game, you have UL back in back in an under-20 final and that's important. It's important for National League basketball, for Limerick to, like obviously the great UL teams back in the day that we played against, that hasn't been the case for a while. And it's important now that that under-20 team, you know, grows and maybe gives UL uh, a, a kind of a, a platform to get back into the Super League because I think that would be great for the Super League. And they're playing against, um, against the University of Galway. And again, we played Galway last Sunday and I think Paul O'Brien is doing an unbelievable job there. I think that's a common team. And I think now with their 20s in an under-20 final, um, you know, that augurs very well for them for the next the next number of years. So, like, I suppose I'm looking at those two sem- or those two finals uh, and I'm, I'm being selfish here thinking about, like, I want the Super League to be better and I want, you know, UL to be back in it and I want Galway to, you know, Meteors and Brunel to be back winning games as well so that like that uh, you know that we have a really competitive Super League so they'd be the two games for me and again just from a Cork point of view I'd, I, I obviously be looking forward to seeing Demons in the under 20 final as well Mark that's absolutely brilliant look it's been fantastic to get your your insight it's uh, as you said strange you will be up though I, I think you're doing uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're working with TG Carr on uh, Sunday so you'll still be part of it and you get to experience what it's like to pace up and down the sideline going i wish i was back uh, out there it's the miserable yeah, feeling of it but uh thanks william for joining us and giving us Thank your you insight it's been absolutely and lads listen that this is brilliant that uh, the podcast I, I mean from the people i've spoken to everybody's delighted with it and like keep up the good work delighted to be on here today and uh and you know i'll see body hopefully over the weekend thanks a million cheers Thank you, right. see you guys bye no it's uh it's a fascinating insight. There, there's a couple of other games, Kieran, just while we're touching on those 20s games, because there's uh, like one or two that stand out for me uh, on a absolutely just personal note. It's uh, the the wheelchair game on, on Friday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebel Wheelers are the dominant force, obviously, within uh, wheelchair basketball. And uh, the uh, the Colin family uh with Khan and Connor have been huge there, but obviously Adam Drummond being back in the National Cup final is is really like it's a special thing and it's brilliant to to see him uh, back on that kind of level. The 18s final, Temple Oak have been this Temple Oak team has been talked about for a number of years. So it's kind of been uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Jay Fazand uh, who would have played mm-hmm. for. A few different teams yeah. in Super League years ago, so it's his own son and a few uh, the other guys, and uh, it, it's going to be a, a, an absolutely fantastic game. They they were brilliant in the semi final, and uh, Limerick Celtics have been like one of the growing clubs in underage basketball for the last while, and that game should be absolutely brilliant. The the twenties men, we we were very fortunate. Uh, well, not fortunate. I think we deserve to. We beat them, uh, Blue Demons, last year in that under-20 final when they had a very young team. 
And we were probably up, I don't know, 17, 18 with uh, four minutes to go. And they, uh, we managed to win by, I think, three in the end. And uh, they had come back and just were so resilient. And uh, they are a fantastic team. And it, it, it's a matchup against Talca Rovers team that mm. is really interesting team. Well, where's Talca at? Where, where, Talca is a club. I mean, I remember actually when Demons came back into the Super League in 1999, Pat's first season, I remember going up to Talca. Pat Boyle and then them, and then obviously they dropped out of league. That's where Mark Ingle actually played a cup semi final. That was the first time the two marks would have gone against each other. So they had that National League Super League um, experience around either side of the millennium, and obviously they were very strong on the women's side. But where is the club? Is are they at? Well, they're they're back in the they're obviously are they're in the President's Cup final as well, which is the National League uh, final. They. Uh, in Dublin, they probably aren't like a dominant force, but one of the big things that's happened over recent years is that they kind of uh, have a link agreement or a partnership or some connection with Dundalk Ravens. So Elijah Fapido is the point guard for the under-20s. He's really talented, and there's a lot of guys who've come in through that kind of connection and have been supplemented by the original Talca people, and you have the likes of... Matt Tracy at National League levels obviously had been away to the States for a number of years is back. I I saw him on crutches, so I'm not sure whether he's able to play in the cup final or not. Uh, and then you have someone like Michael Bonaparte as their import player who yeah. has turned back the clock. And uh, I think that's one of the things of the beauty of the cup final weekend is the, uh, I guess, from my own point of view, from the likes of a Bonaparte, the, Adam Drummond part, the, all these different things. There's so many people who have their connection with the final that it's not just a Super League men's and Super League women's final. There's so much more. With 11 finals over the weekend, there's, everybody has some connection to it in, in some way, and it's really special. And it's one of the things when, when Mark touched upon the fact that the arena sells out so easily now, for the, particularly for the men's final, because you just don't have the capacity and you're getting into a stage where you have to figure out long term whether you're going to try and get into a bigger venue. How you do that, it's really difficult in Ireland. But even if you did that, would you lose some of the wider weekend part of it and the specialness of the cup that we that we love at, uh, so much at the moment? And it's it's a question that someone else has to figure out, not me anymore. When <laughs> we used to think about that in, in basketball Ireland, but it's yeah, well, uh, that's the kind of thing that we're still. And I think even, and I think it's why people have responded to the pod. We're floating things out, like even just what we're saying about Darren and the input the likes of Mark gave there. You know, like it's funny, my very first time I'm giving away, Mark Pat talked about giving away his age, I'm giving away both mine and Mark's. But when the very first uh, station I had at a camp, a residential camp, was down in Killarney in 86 as a 14 year old, and a 19 year old Mark Scannell was my coach taking us through passing and just to hear his uh, passion and knowledge for the game still and you're you're right like it, it's it, it's all interconnected you know we're we're talking about Notre Dame beating both Mark and Pat in, in their as rookies um Anthony Jenkins would have been coaching that Notre Dame team playing for them his son Sean is obviously playing with Anna who would be kind of an offshoot of of Notre Dame and you know I see even in the in the division one final Ulster University so all all the provinces are represented you know you uh, Connor O'Sullivan, who famously would have played, his father Tom would have played, obviously in the in the team that Mark coached. There's loads of connections, as you said. It is great to see Adam back after what he was through, and that you know we've talked about the equality of basketball. I mean, when people do think of 
of sport that, that you can do for people of all all situations like you know like the wheelchair basketball and I, i've touched on it maybe before in the pod I, that final is one i'm going to watch i remember watching it uh for the first time to be straight with your hands up uh, was, was four years ago and just being taken blown away by it so right away from friday night to the women's final on sunday it's going to it's, it's a massive weekend really enjoyable and and, and it's one that we would recommend obviously being basketball heads obviously the two finals uh super league finals are on tg Cahir, national television which is great tell us more about where people can see the other finals yeah so the rest of them are all uh on basketball ireland streaming uh, platform so basketball ireland uh, tv so i just go to ireland.basketball which is the basketball ireland website and you'll be able to get all the details be able to watch every game uh, full commentary and everything else so it is worth uh worth tuning in and seeing the look every year we have amazing stories amazing games come through these it's a it's a kid at christmas kind of thing of uh cup weekend i i, I remember just as a quick one is uh i think i was i think i was nine in uh in primary school and my teacher who was our, our gaelic coach um was listening on the radio a preview of the like the cup uh, the cup finals. It was a Friday night, so the semi-finals were on that night up in the arena. And he knew I was going to be going and everything else, and he was kind of like asking me about the teams that were playing in it. And it's like it was the first moment in my life that I was kind of like someone's asking me about like the sport that I love and I'm, I'm like I'm so absorbed in that nobody else really pays attention to. And it's the it was the indication it's that window into our sport that the cup has because of all the media attention and everything else. So it just it's why it's so magical and it's why it's so important to so many people. And uh, this weekend will be no different. So yeah, yeah, like as you said, Connor, it, it's where a lot of the media attention is. Um, we've been delighted to bring this podcast. Um, we're going to shut it down for a little while. Uh, the Examiner covers plenty of other sports, other podcasts that the Examiner roll out, particularly on the J front, will be coming back very soon. But look, we the basketball season is still going on. Mark Scannell there maybe didn't declare it, but you could tell he's adamant to get that uh, Super League title. Both the, the men's Super League, Meteors, along with the two finalists in the men's, we could have a situation where they're, they're the top two of the league. We had that last year where the Neptune and Tralee met in both finals. And so we will be probably back uh, either side of the Super League finals. But until then, we hope everybody takes care and really enjoys the weekend. And it's been uh, great to connect with the basketball community and get people from the basketball community. And look, Connor, it's, it's great for me. I know you're in the media again, but the reason why we would have identified you is because you're you're basketball true and true and your knowledge has really shown true and i know from talking to basketball people they would have felt that there was a gap that way that we don't get like when, when basketball people are talking water cooler we go into x and o's and how about this and yet that form hasn't really been in the media we've helped close that i think through your knowledge anyway and um it's been i, th- I think people have enjoyed it and look i've enjoyed doing the pod with you and let's do it again in march yeah no brilliant Kieran, and thanks for doing it it's been fantastic chatting away it's great to get all the feedback if people have other feedback look you can get in touch with the examiner and you know how to reach us and uh it's been great to have some of these conversations and we look forward to more in the future at some stage 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 